Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund, and this is the AEW Full Gear 2020 pay-per-view review. Sorry for the late posting of this, but uh, I'll get to the show here in just a moment. I hope you enjoyed that Scott Romer interview. If you haven't listened to it yet, uh, you can find it in the archives on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into this thing for AEW Full Gear. Nine matches on the card taking place at Daly's Place. I think about a thousand fans in attendance for this one. And we start out in the buy-in with Serena Deeb taking on Allison K. Serena Deeb defending her NWA World Women's Championship. And this was a pretty solid match for the uh, kickoff show, or, well, the buy-in, as AEW calls it. I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, I think this is the best of the two women's matches on the entire show, so... Spoiler alert there. But late in the match... Deeb goes for a pile driver. K counters into an Alabama slam for a near fall. K hits the AK-47. Deeb rolls out of the ring. K follows her. They get back in. Deeb dragon screws her leg between the ropes. Then Deeb ties K's arm behind her back. Hits a face buster, which was kind of like a Styles Clash almost in a way. K gets her feet on the ropes. Then Serenity lock by Deeb. Forces things Forces K to tap, and that's it. Deeb retains. Like I said, pretty solid match for a the buy-in. I wish it had a little bit of build, actually. These buy-in matches have no build to them at all. That's why I've noticed the last few pay-per-views. But you know what? The opener more than makes up for it. But that match, uh, K versus Deeb, it's going to get a B-minus. Uh, I like that this one actually had stakes to it, unlike some other buy-in matches that I've seen. Post-match, Rosa, Rosa, Thunder Rosa, shows up, and her and Deeb share some words and then stare each other down. Then we get the opener, like I said. The opener, man. Whoo! Whoo in fuego. It was a good one. The World Championship Eliminator Tournament Final. The Cleaner. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. What a match. I didn't realize this. They went under 20 minutes in this. It, that didn't feel like that. It felt like it was actually a longer match than that. But I liked this. I really, really liked this match. Because you know what they did here? They left a little bit on the bone here. And... Hangman, the story they kind of told throughout this match was Hangman. Hangman was going for that buckshot. He was going for that buckshot. He kept going every single time. He had an opportunity to go for the buckshot. He did. But Kenny had a counter for everything. These guys knew each other so well. They had a wonderful, wonderful match. Here's the final moments of that match. Page and Kenny trade haymakers. Kenny gets the advantage. Rolling elbow strike by Page. Goes for a second. Kenny counters with a V-trigger and a Tiger Driver 98 for a near fall. Page rolls through a German attempt. Kenny rolls through a German attempt. Great counter wrestling here. Kenny hits the spinning forearm. 
Dragon suplex by Kenny. Page rolls through and hits a big clothesline. Page hits a dead eye, and Kenny kicks out barely. Kenny then counters the buckshot again. He countered at least three or four times in this match, did Kenny. Uh, Page gets a pinning combo for a near fall. Kenny then hits a dragon screw between the ropes, then a V-trigger. Kenny ducks another buckshot attempt. Two V-triggers by Kenny. Kenny then goes for a one-winged angel. And Kenny Page, Kenny and uh, Hangman hand fight up top, which I like that little touch to it. Kenny finally gets the advantage, and he hits the one-winged angel, and that's it. One, two, three, and Kenny Omega is your number one contender for the AEW World Championship. Just the best way to kick off AEW Full Gear 2020. Wow, 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 wow. Great match to kick things off, and it was going to be a hard one to follow. For real. Like, for real, for real. But I, it was a great story told throughout their match with Kenny having an answer for that buckshot every single time. I like it. I like the winner. I like it. I like that Kenny's going to be the next one to challenge Moxley. And Moxley, I think, is going to lose the title there. And I'm liking this new Kenny Omega. This over-the-top Kenny Omega but I was like, coming into that, come, like after that match, I was like, gosh, this is going to be hard to top the rest of the night. But they did leave a little bit more on the bone. So there is an opportunity to revisit this later. And maybe it's when Kenny is the AEW world champion, which I'm predicting right now. But this match, great. Just fan-freaking-tastic. I'm going to give it an A. Then, it was John Silver and Orange Cassidy in the unenviable spot of following Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. But man, did these guys have a fun match. They went with a little bit of comedy at first as Silver took out Orange Cassidy's pockets. Orange kept going to uh, put his hands in his pockets and eventually... Silver just ripped him out of him, ripped him out of his pants, and put him in their put him in his mouth. But once these guys got going in this, they had a really really fun match to follow that first one. Uh, late in the match, Silver hit a single-handed gorilla press, a single-handed gorilla press. My goodness, big running boot to the back of Cassidy's head. Cassidy with the Reverse spin doctor. Uh, actually, Cassidy reverses the spin doctor from uh, Silver. Uh, hits a Michinoku driver. Does Cassidy. And then Cassidy goes for a beach break. Silver blocks it. Trio of roundhouse kicks. Knock him down. Cassidy no sells. Silver then counters an orange punch with a roll up for a near fall. Backslide by Cassidy. Big kicks from Silver. Cassidy then counters a suplex attempt with a stun dog millionaire. Pump kick by Silver. Spin Doctor by Silver. That move is freaking awesome looking. Freaking awesome looking. Silver then looks for a discus lariat. Orange punch by Cassidy, followed up by Beach Break, and that's it. 
And I thought this was a great way to follow that opener between Page and Omega. And they were not in a great spot anyway. They were in a really bad spot, but they delivered. They did a re- uh, did really good with the comedy stuff at the beginning. And Silver, man, he's having a breakout year, really. He's one of the biggest stars on being the elite. And a boy can go in the ring. Johnny Hungy, uh, he's hungry for a title shot sometime in 2021, I think. But this didn't hurt anybody. It keeps Orange Cassidy in the limelight, one of the biggest stars in AEW, and it gives Silver a spotlight on pay-per-view, on worldwide pay-per-view. He he doesn't lose anything losing this match. I'm going to give this a B, really good way to follow that first match. Then we get Cody. Actually, not Cody, just Cody. Here's how Justin Roberts said it. The prince of pro wrestling. The American nightmare. Cody. Rhodes! Something like that. But Cody has his last name back, so that's really cool. And, uh... Him and Darby... Had a really good match. Cody was arrogant throughout this match and really his arrogance ended up costing him late and Cody went after the arm of Darby Allen throughout this match really good stuff from him and Cody's like I said Cody's arrogance at the end of this costed him Cody actually hit a freaking crossroads from the top rope Darby Allen is manic for taking that spot but Cody does hit a uh, crossroads from the top rope. From the top rope. And then Darby gets his arm under the ropes. Darby can't lock in the sleeper because his arm is too damaged. Cody then up top with Darby on his back. Drops Darby. Arn then instructs Darby to stay down. Darby gets in the ring after being out of the ring for nearly a 10 count. Cody then hits a scoop scoop slam. Man, I can't talk today. Scoop slam and tells Darby to stay down. Darby says, bring it. Cody hits it again. Cody throws him against the ropes. Gorilla press. Darby kicks out. Cody then takes his belt out. Drops it. Darby trips him with the belt. Gets a jackknife cover for a near fall. Counters then the disaster kick. Darby hits the Last Supper, flipping cutter. Darby then hits the coffin drop, and Cody kicks out at two. Darby doesn't get rolled up like he did previously against Cody, but then Cody hits a pump kick. Darby counters crossroads, rolls through into a pin combo. They trade a couple of roll-throughs, and Darby catches them, and the ref counts to three, and Darby Allen is your new TNT champion. And like I said, Cody's arrogance costed him in this one, which I really like, because Cody, as time's been rolling along, has been getting very, very arrogant and starting to show some heelish tendencies. But I thought this was the right move here, putting the title on Darby. He's one of the up-and-coming stars of AEW. You got to give him the rub at some point. Cody's been giving the rub to superstars, but not in victory, in defeat. But this time, Cody gives the rub to Darby in defeat. Uh, Well, eating the pin 
did Cody. And I thought this was a really good match. Right decision putting the title on Darby. I'm going to give this match an A. My A minus, I mean. Yeah, I'm going to give this match an A minus. Cody then, following the match, goes to a knee, presenting Darby the title. You deserve it, Chance. Cody then shows some good sportsmanship. Taz is out there angry and pissed off. Starks and Cage jump them from behind. Starks spears Cody, and this ends up being a melee. Then Cage gets Cage eventually throws Allen through the set piece. They put the title on Allen right before they were about to shut Darby's arm in the car that was ringside where Darby came in on. Uh, what Darby came in on. Then Will Hobbs shows up and makes the save, almost shutting Darby's arm in the door on accident. And that was it. Maybe this leads to Cody becoming a heel. We haven't seen that yet here in AEW. We could be here soon, but Cody was trying to help Allen after the match. I don't know where this is going, where Cody's character is going after this, but it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, A- minus grade for the Darby Allen-Cody match for the TNT Championship. Darby Allen is your new TNT champion. Then they cut to QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes in the back, talking about Allie, the Butcher, and the Blade. Dustin wants a bunkhouse match, which I'm pretty sure happened in the old WCW days when uh, Dustin was a young, just a young pup. But Butcher and Blade and Bunny versus QT and Dustin on Dynamite this week. Then we get the AEW Women's World Championship match. Hikaru Shida defending her title against Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero is ringside with Nyla. And this match, there was just something off about it for the most part. The spots were slow. I don't know. Something just fell off with this because it felt like they were moving at slow motion at times. I personally I personally liked the match at, they had at Double or Nothing, the first one. The first one was really good. This one was just something was just completely off in this. Knee, she does knee got worked pretty good during this match. There was a really cool spot near the end of this where Nyla hits a big move on Sheeta and Nyla picks her up on the pin. He's like, she's like, I'm not done yet. Sheeta returns the favor later as Sheeta hit an avalanche falcon arrow, which looked really good. She picks up Nyla on the pin attempt. Vicky then brushes Sheeta's leg as she's going for a running knee. Nyla then knocks Sheeta off the apron. Vicky tries to use the kendo stick on Sheeta. Aubrey takes it away. Sheeta then throws Nyla into the barricade multiple times. Falcon arrow by Sheeta. Nyla kicks out at two. The knee by Sheeta. Nyla kicks out at two. Another knee to the shoulder blades of Nyla. And then four knees to the face of Rose. And that's it. And that's enough for Sheeta to get the one, two, three, and retain her title. I wasn't a huge fan of this match. Double or nothing match was better. Uh, they both felt like they were in slow motion during this, and all of the offense wasn't hitting. It wasn't like hitting all the time. I thought they did some good stuff there, especially with the returning the favor on the the pickup on the cover. 
the top rope Falcon Arrow was a pretty cool spot. I'm going to give this match a B minus grade. Their match at double or nothing, much, much better than this. But really, this show hasn't had a bad match so far on it. Like, look, that the first three, well, four, we'll say four matches, four or five matches. So we've uh, B minus for the NWA Women's World Championship. Omega versus Page A, Silver versus Cassidy B, Allen versus Cody A minus, Sheeta and Rose B minus. So nothing's been below a B minus at this point in the show. Then we get what is quite possibly the match of the year. The match of the year in American pro wrestling. FTR defending their AEW World Tag Team Championships, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler versus the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. And if the Bucks don't win this, they will never challenge for the AEW World Tag Team titles again. But Matt, he comes in with injuries to his ankle. FTR comes out in Boston Celtics colors while the Bucks come out in Los Angeles Lakers colors. And boy, did these two teams tell a wonderful story. So Dax early in the match, earlier on in the match, hurts his hand. He punches the ring post on accident. He's going for a punch on Matt Jackson, misses, and... It's the ring post injuring his hand. He has to get his hand wrapped afterward by Doc Sampson at ringside. Matt Jackson, he's getting that ankle worked throughout the match. FTR just doing everything possible to make sure Matt is a non-factor in the match. And Nick eventually gets the hot tag. And runs rough shot over everybody. And Nick Jackson, bar none, he's the best hot tag in wrestling. He is the best hot tag in pro wrestling. It's not even close in my opinion. But Matt, I mean not Matt, but Nick hits the Bulldog clothesline combo on FTR on the outside. He goes up top, diving crossbody. Wheeler rolls through, tags cash. FTR hits the heart attack, which brings me to this point in this match. They paid homage to the tag teams that inspired them, the generation of tag team wrestling that inspired them. Because FTR, at one time, they hit a heart attack. They also hit the Steiner Bulldog the uh, with somebody on top, on top of their shoulders. And Dax, he jumped off the top and hit the Bulldog on, on, the, on one of the Bucks. I can't remember which one, but they did that. And then the Bucks also did some... Uh, tributes they hit a 3d on the uh, cash i'm pretty sure yeah they hit a 3d on cash and then a twist of fate swanton combo on dax and also ftr did pay tribute to diy tomaso champa and Johnny Gargano, they hit the DIY finisher, the running knee super kick combo, 
which was really, really cool. This was just a love letter to tag team wrestling this match was. And the psychology and the limb work by FTR and the Bucks, FTR attacking the leg of Matt, the injured left leg, and then the, the Bucks attacking the hand of Dax during this. It was great stuff. Here is the uh, closing sequence of, the, well, the closing moments of this match. Um, after they do the DIY finisher, Dax gets tagged back in. They go for their finisher. They go for the uh, pile dri- assisted pile driver. Nick takes Cash off the top rope. Matt double legs Dax. Catapults Nick into a kick. Nick then dives onto Cash on the stage. Sharpshooter by Matt on Dax. Dax gets to the ropes. Nick super kicks it. Then Nick locks in a sharpshooter on Dax, who's on the apron. Actually, it's Cash on the apron. They grab each other's hands. The Bucks pull them apart. Matt then has to let it go due to his injured leg. It's too much on it. Too much weight on it. Bucks then go for more bang for your buck. Dax counters. Rising knee strike by Nick. Matt then attacks the hand of Dax. Snaps the fingers, paying tribute to the villain, Marty Skrull. BTE trigger. But Cash comes in at the literal last second. He comes flying in into the camera. Not into the camera, but he flies into the picture. Very, very last second to break up the pin. And Nick then clotheslines Cash out of the ring, gets the tag, Escalera into the plancha by Nick. Matt then grabs the chair because he wants to use it on Dax. That's what they used to injure Matt Jackson. They put his foot between the chair and stomped on it. Matt wants to use it. Dax is daring him to hit him with it. Nick says no. Matt throws the chair and goes for the Meltzer driver. Cash then pulls Nick off the apron, powerbombs Nick uh, into a ringside table. It doesn't break. Then Dax counters the tombstone attempt. Cash gets the tag. Mindbreaker, spike pile driver. Dax covers uh, Matt moving away from the ropes. But Matt finds a way to pivot over to get his foot onto the ropes and stop the count. Cash then rips the shoe off and shoe and sock off of Matt's foot. Double team attack to Matt's leg. They Dax gets the inverted figure four. Dax then goes for a spear. Nick moves away. 450 splash by Nick breaks up the submission. Dax kicks out at two. Then super kick by Cash. Knocks Nick out of the ring. Cash then drags Dax into the corner. Tags himself in. He does the two sweet. Then middle finger by Cash. He super kicks Matt again. Cash then doesn't go for the cover though. He goes for a spring... Board 450. The one thing that the that FTR prides themselves on. No flips, just fists. He goes for the 450. Matt moves out of the way. And their own, what they take pride in, Cash ignores that and gets too cocky and misses with the 450, thinking he can beat the Bucks with a flip, which I was surprised Cash hit a four, could get a 450 off, and he it was a beautiful 450, but he missed everything. And Matt hits the super kick on Cash after that, 
with his foot exposed because he had his foot exposed late in the match. Matt hits the super kick. He lays on Cash. And that's it. One, two, three. And the Bucks, the Young Bucks, are your new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Gosh, gosh, gosh. This was fantastic. My goodness, this was a great tag team match. This is tag team wrestling at its best. Hey, WWE, take some notes from from AEW on how to do tag team wrestling properly. My goodness, absolutely amazing storytelling in this. They delivered on the close to two-year build they had for this match, which all started with a series of tweets from the Bucks and uh, FTR. But man, it was fantastic match. What a match. This is up there with their with the AEW Revolution match between Page and the Page and Omega and the Bucks. It's up there. It's close. It's very, very close. But this match had so many, so many great things for Matt overcoming his leg injury to get the win and the uh, get the super kick and to pin cash winning the tag team titles. The homages to many other tag teams. And FTR costing themselves the titles with a flip. I didn't mind the super kick finishing the match. I didn't mind that. It didn't need the finishers at the end. The Bucks couldn't have hit the finishers with Matt's injured leg. But I like that they ended it with a surprise finish there. And just so many great things in this match. FTR, they are so damn good at the little things like cutting off the ring. But yeah, this is up there for match of the year in American professional wrestling with the tag match from Revolution. And you know what? The two best matches of the year possibly are tag matches and they has and they have the Young Bucks in them. The Young Bucks don't get enough credit for selling and Matt did a fantastic job here. Matt did a fantastic job. Dax did a fantastic job of selling the hand throughout the match. But I'll give the slight edge to the match from Revolution because I thought the story was a little bit better heading into that. But gosh, this was great. Absolutely loved this. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. This match is worth the price of the pay-per-view in and of itself. What a match. A plus grade for FTR versus the Young Bucks. After the match, though, great storytelling bit. Omega comes out to celebrate with the Bucks. Paige looks on from the entrance way with a drink in his hand. Does this mean that the Bucks and the Omega are going back to the light or they're going to go back to the darkness? Or Paige is Paige going to go to a really dark place and try to take the titles from the Bucks? Not t- take the titles from the Bucks, but turn on his friends completely. Because he's not really Paige and Omega, not Paige and Omega, but Omega and the Bucks don't really associate themselves with Adam Page anymore. Adam's looked a little bit distraught after the Bucks won the tag titles. He stood on the ramp, uh, stood on the entranceway, looking on. Really cool bit of storytelling. We're going to see where this goes. I'm really, really excited for it. Even though the Elite, I'll say this. Even though the Bucks have been in the limelight the whole entire time, that's what you want, though. 
you got to have your stars in the limelight early on, especially. This first year is very vital to the company. you got to have established names there to help elevate others. And they will eventually elevate the next uh, team that that will be the tag champions. We'll see how long this reign goes for the Bucks, but I'm excited to see what they do during it. Maybe they go on, go full on heel. We'll see. But that was a babyface uh, uh, side to the Bucks in that match because definitely FTR was playing the heel. Were playing the heels, and the Bucks were playing the babyfaces in that. Then we get a little bit of cinematic wrestling. The Elite Deletion from the Hardy Compound. Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. And this had a lot of fun stuff in it, I'll say that. They had cameos from Gangrel and Hurricane Helms, of all people. I would have never thought in a million years that we would be seeing cameos from Hurricane Helms and Gangrel on an AEW pay-per-view. But we did. And this had a lot of fun stuff. Sammy Guevara is a maniac. Matt Hardy and Sammy were shooting each other with fireworks at one point. Helms got thrown into the Lake of Reincarnation as he was the hurricane. And he turned into an interviewer. But yeah, it was a lot of fun stuff in here. Proud and Powerful were involved along with Private Party. And the last portion of the match was in the Dome of Deletion. He gets locked in there, does Sammy. Sammy throws him into the garage. Sammy hits Matt in the back with a chair. Sammy detaches the turnbuckle. Sammy then hits the midsection with the turnbuckle hook. And he keeps the, he takes apart the ring pretty much. He takes the part of the ring and... Uh, and chokes Matt out with the ring rope. Sammy then sets a sets Matt on a table in the ring. He takes his shirt off and climbs to the top of the ladder. He does a delete, delete, swanton bomb by Sammy through the table. Matt somehow kicks out at two. Twist of fate by Matt. Sammy favoring his neck. Matt spears Sammy off of the ring apron through the table ringside. Sammy's bleeding from the back of the head. Sammy, Matt jabs Sammy in the head with a chair like Sammy did to him back in the day, back in back a few months ago. Matt Concerto Sammy's head into the concrete, pins him, and it is over. Over! Sammy is bleeding from the mouth, and I mostly enjoyed this match. I had fun with it, but as this time goes along, cinematic wrestling is getting kind of old. It's getting kind of old now. And we've seen it a lot, a lot, a lot this year. I understand with COVID-19 and such, we need a little bit of a detour during pay-per-views. But I, it's kind of diminishing returns at this point for cinematic matches. But I had a lot of fun with this. I'll give it a B-minus grade. But I like that they played off some old stuff. They did another deletion stuff. I thought this went a little bit too long. But I hope with this... With this match, there's a shift in Sammy's character following this. Because otherwise, this doesn't make any sense in my opinion. Because, I don't know. After that kind of dramatic thing that happened at the end of the match, there's got to be some kind of shift in Sammy Guevara's character. But uh, your mileage will vary with this one. You might you either like this or hate this pretty much. 
following the match, Matt tells Private Party to take out the trash, and they stuff Sammy in a trash can and load him in the back of a pickup truck. And Matt instructs Senor Benjamin to take this obsolete piece of rubbish away as Rebby plays the obsolete song. Matt celebrates with Rebby, Hurricane, and Private Party, and then they cut to Roberts and Archer and Allie. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me let me revert back to this. But my prediction with Sammy Guevara after this match and what happened later on in this show is that Sammy Guevara is going to get kicked out of the inner circle or he's just going to disappear from the inner circle and he's going to have to come back and try to get some revenge on this person named MJF. But back to the Roberts and Archer segment. They're in an alley. Robert says he doesn't want food. Archer wants people. Archer tells the elite's time of slaughter is coming. He doesn't care. He's coming for everybody because everybody dies. Then we get the Chris Jericho versus MJF match. If MJF wins, he will join the inner circle. And Jericho, he hurts his elbow early in the match as he was going for a Judas effect on the outside. He hits his elbow on the post. MJF attacks the arm of Jericho throughout the match. Both are doing heelish things and who can top one another pretty much. It's a one-upsmanship kind of thing during this, I think. Especially at the end of the match where MJF shields himself with Aubrey. MJF whips Jericho on the ropes. Again, hurts his arm. Code breaker with and a heat seeker by MJF for a two count. MJF misses with the lion salt. And Jericho hits a code breaker of his own for a two count. MJF inside cradle for a near fall. MJF blocks the Judas effect and locks in the salt of the earth. Fujiwara arm bar. And Jericho gets to the ropes. MJF motions for Wardlow. Wardlow gives him the dynamite diamond ring. Jake Hager gives Jericho the bat. MJF falls while the ref is distracted. Aubrey thinks he used the bat. MJF rolls Jericho up to win with the tights and gain entry into the inner circle. So I thought this was smartly worked. This was really good stuff. Not like great. It's not like the blowaway match on the show, but really it was smartly worked after the previous two matches. I'm going to give it a B. It didn't overstay its welcome. Jericho shakes MJF's hand and hugs him, welcoming welcoming him to the inner circle. Him and Wardlow to the inner circle. MJF out-cheated Jericho to get the win, which is a nice little thing to see. And I thought they were going to do something there post-match. I thought MJF was just going to completely turn on Jericho. But uh, I really like the limb work from MJF during this. And really, we're going to see how this thing goes with MJF in the inner circle. Uh, MJF and Wardlow in the inner circle. And maybe Sammy Guevara being gone from the inner circle. Because I'm predicting when Sammy Guevara comes out, comes back, he should go away for a while. Sammy Guevara should go away for a while. For a while. When he comes back, he needs to go after MJF and have a babyface run. That's why I'm. That's my prediction. MJF, Sammy Guevara. When Sammy Guevara comes back, hopefully in like a month or so. Hopefully they have him stay off of TV for a little bit. Then we get to our main event. John Moxley 
defending his AEW World Championship against Eddie Kingston in an I Quit match. The first ever I Quit match in AEW for the AEW World Championship. And this was a smash mouth affair. Smash mouth affair. They beat the crap out out of each other. Used weapons, barbed wire, thumbtacks, you name it. Moxley, who went into the thumbtacks, and that made me cringe so hard. It was hard to watch at times. It was hard to watch at times because they were trying to just brutalize each other. Moxley used a barbed wire baseball bat, and man, this was just a brutal, brutal affair, as I expected. Kingston at one time hit a spinning back fist with the barbed wire. There was blood in this. Mox bled. So did Kingston. And man, good stuff in the main event from these two. There was even a spot where freaking uh, Kingston dumped isopropyl alcohol on Moxley's back. I have never seen that. And you know what? It made sense in the context of the match because you know what? Moxley had cuts on his back from the baseball bat. And Kingston dumping isopropyl alcohol on that, that that crap burns. That crap burns. But let's go. Let's get to the later portions of the match. Kingston, after he does the dumps the isopropyl alcohol on Mox's open wounds. He hits Mox with a handful of thumbtacks. Kingston puts the bulldog choke in on Mox. A cross face to Mox. Cross faces to Mox. Kingston then hits hits him. Mox locks in a choke. Mox with a pile driver. Moments later, hits the paradigm shift. Then Mox wraps his hand in barbed wire and locks in the bulldog choke with the barbed wire wrapped around his hand. And Kingston is forced to quit. And this was awesome. This was pretty awesome. It was awesome to see Kingston main event in 2020. This was brutal, brutal, brutal. As as I expected, Kingston went to drastic lengths to try to win the title, but Mox had to go ex- to extreme lengths to retain really good stuff. I'm going to give this match a B+. Mox after the match, tries to help his friend up. Kingston refuses. Kingston makes his way up to the ramp. Mox then celebrates. Kenny Omega shows up, and they have a little chat. Once a traditional pro wrestling match instead of what they had one year prior at Full Gear. So they Full Gear ends with a, a Kenny Omega and John Moxley last year, and it ends with Moxley and Kenny Omega having a confrontation this year. And man, this was a fantastic pay-per-view. Fantastic, fantastic pay-per-view. Top to bottom. There was nothing really bad on it. Everything was a B- minus or above on this show. Moxley, Kingston, if you're a fan of hardcore wrestling, that one was for you. B-plus grade for that one. And the best matches on this show, by far, were Paige and Omega... And the Bucks versus FTR. FTR and the Bucks was an instant classic. Is an instant classic. It was a fantastic piece of tag team wrestling and just professional wrestling in general. And Paige and Omega, there's 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 something left there. 
They're going to readdress that, but really great opener. And Kingston Moxley was also very good. Jericho, MJF was fun. Cassidy, John Silver was fun. You know, your mileage will, will vary with the deletion stuff from Matt Hardy, but still, it was that was pretty fun too. Sheeta and Nyla Rose was solid. And Cody and Darby Allen was also really good. I'm going to give this show a B-plus grade overall. This is up there with double or nothing. I think from a wrestling standpoint, a pure wrestling standpoint, this match was better than double or nothing uh, that happened back in May. This was the best show, best pay-per-view AEW put on all year. Best pay-per-view they put on all year. Definitely worth the uh, worth buying the replay. Definitely, definitely, definitely worth it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that pay-per-view review for AEW Full Gear 2020. Stay tuned, though. I'll have a new episode of the Weekend Review up here soon. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at SigDaddyWrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, though, this is SigDaddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.